Stone Center of the Arts for a breakfast. There were about 200 of Muncie's finest people there. I remember a couple of radio personalities, Steve Lindell and Brownie. A lot of you guys know them. Uh, the mayor of Muncie was there. There were a lot of policemen, a lot of firemen. The chief of police was there. The fire chief was there. There were business owners. There were CEOs there. And then I was there. <laughs> I was representing the, I was newly appointed pastor at the Compass Church, and we had a table. And so I was there along with all these other couple hundred people. And I remember sitting there. I had a little, a little churning in my tummy. I had something that I was thinking that I needed to do. And um, because, you see, there was a, a basketball game the next night. It was my Butler Bulldogs. And so I was sitting there thinking, should I do this? Should I not? The program was getting ready to start. So finally, I handed my phone to the, uh, she was a youth pastor in another church, and I said, hit the record button. She looked at me and said, uh, why? And she said, what are you going to do? I said, just hit the record button and tell me when you're ready. So she did, and she pointed the phone at me, and she goes, okay, I'm ready. So I stood up at this breakfast, and I yelled out, top of my lungs, I said, hey, everybody, can I have your attention? My name is Jeff Ellis. I'm a 1983 graduate of Butler University, and I was a cheerleader for the men's basketball team for four years. You all know there's a big game tomorrow night, the final of the NCAA championship against Duke, and I need to get you ready. I've got something that you need to hear. We'll sing the Butler War song. We'll give a fighting cry. We'll fight the Butler battle. Bulldogs ever do or die. And in the glow of victory firelight, history cannot deny to add a page or two for the Butler fighting crew beneath the Hoosier sky. I be you. And then I sit down. Yeah, who would do such a thing? Anyway, that's a true story. But I, but I loved my bulldogs, and I was passionate about them, and this was the biggest game of the century. I mean, who would have ever have thought that? And as I was preparing this message, what do we stand for? It just kind of brought back a memory of I stood for my bulldogs because I loved them. I was excited for them. And it was, again, the biggest game of the year coming up. So what do we stand for? I've got some other things I'd like to share for all of you. Uh, we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. We stand for the National Anthem. We do that out of respect for our country and what, what, what it, being an American means to us. Uh, we stand for our school fight songs, obviously. We stand for the reading of Scripture. We've done that once today. We'll do it again. And we stand for our favorite quarterback-receiver duo. A lot of us like Manning to Harrison. We remember those moments when they scored last-minute TDs to win a game. I stood up in front of my TV. I don't know if all of you did, but I was excited for them. It meant a lot. We also stand for our children, or our grandchildren. When they hit a, get a hit at a baseball game or when their recital, dance recital's over, we're proud of them. We stand for them. We want to encourage them because we love them and we're excited for them. So then I have a list of some other things that we stand for, and I kind of just call these values. We stand for truth and respect. We stand for justice, fairness, righteousness. 
We stand for love and kindness. We stand for hard work, excellence in everything that we do. We stand for integrity, honesty. We stand for trustworthiness, dependability. And we stand for freedom. We do that because these things, they move you. They're personal to you. They mean a lot to you. You're passionate about them. You feel strongly about them. They excite you. And others, we stand out of obedience or respect. And that second part of the list that I gave you, these are what I'm calling godly characteristics. And we need to exhibit them. None of these are bad. Unless you stand for the New England Patriots and that uh, Brady to Gronk guy, touchdown passes. All right, I don't see any hands. I don't have to ask anyone to leave. Oh, we might have one back here. (laughs) It's just not right. And some are a must. Some of these values are a must as we live our lives for Christians and we stand up for what we believe. We must stand for Jesus. And we must stand against the devil's schemes. So who's ready to stand with me this morning? All right, all right. No, I really need you to stand too. <laughs> Going to be reading from Ephesians. It's, uh, it's the armor of God chapter, Ephesians 6. So if you'd like to turn to your Bibles and follow along with me, starting in verse 10, and it's also on the screen if you'd like to follow along there as well. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let us pray. Father God, we just give you thanks so much, Lord. You truly are amazing, and we so need you in our lives, Lord, to give us strength and wisdom as we live this life here on this earth. And so, Lord, as I share your word, I just, I know I need you to give me strength, Lord. Just encourage me and uh, guide me, and I trust that what I have to share with everyone this morning will be encouraging and pleasing to you. So we just ask that you move in a mighty way, open our hearts to receive your word and your truth, and may we be encouraged as we hear them. So we love you, Father, and pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I shared a list with all of us of quite a few things that we stand for, and I'm going to take a look at just a few of them this morning, but um, kind of my question is, is which is harder as we go through, through these? Which is harder, standing for the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem or standing for our freedom or Christian liberty? You know, as I mentioned earlier, it's pretty easy to stand for what we believe in and we stand for our country as we read the Pledge of Allegiance or sing the National Anthem. That's not too hard for us, but standing for Christian liberty or freedom, 
Well, that's a little, little more difficult. I want to share with you what it has to say in Galatians 5.1 about this topic. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So Christ came to set us free. The, the law that we were bound to before Christ, just, it just kept us in sin. It just pointed out the sin in our lives, and it was very hard to stand for. Uh, oftentimes, it wasn't that we couldn't or didn't know all the laws. It's just we really didn't want to take the time to do it. We didn't really want to stand for the Lord, but, but Christ came to set us free from that bondage, from that sin. In Luke 19.10, it says, Jesus came, these are his, his words, he says, he came to seek and save the lost. We can be thankful for that. We are no longer bound by the law, and Christ has won the battle. But there is still an enemy that we need to be aware of. He's out there and he's real. So we are no longer bound to sin. I love this, this psalm. The psalmist in chapter 40, verse 2, says he lifted me out of the slimy pit. He lifted me out of that. He lifted you out of that slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And we can be thankful on that and know that that's what Jesus came to do for us. He's given us freedom. Galatians 5, later on in that chapter, verses 13 and 14, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we are no longer bound by those laws, the rules that were given to Moses, but nor are we free to do whatever we want in our lives. We need to be very cautious there. We need to be mindful of the things of the world that we don't give in to them. Uh, there's so much uh, the flesh is weak. Uh, there's the, the pornography that's out there. Everybody's looking to get wealthy. They think if you get more money, if you can just get more wealth, then you'll be something. That's not what we're talking about here. Or instant gratification. It's like so often the, the devil puts it in you and the world's putting it in you that if you want it, just get a credit card and you can get it now. But a debtor is slave to the lender. We need to remember that. And that's one of the devil's, devil's workings in our lives. But we have been set free and we can't give in to those. And so in humility, oftentimes, we need to set aside our freedom for the sake of others as well. So is standing up for freedom easy? takes effort. So which is harder, standing for our school fight song or for fairness or justice? It is pretty easy to stand for our school fight song because we're, we're excited about our team. I know I've gone to it. My uh, stepfather has a lot of, well, he has season tickets to the Ball State basketball games. And, um, and my wife and I get to go once in a while. But the beauty of it is, is they're playing those fight songs, which they do that often, all stand, but it's the same tune as the Butler fight song. So I'm singing the Butler fight song at the Butler basketball games. And it's pretty easy for me to do that too. So that's an easy thing, but standing for fairness or justice? Well, here's what the Bible has to say about that. In Proverbs 31, eight through nine, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. 
So who's he talking about here in these verses? Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Well, I believe he's telling us to speak up for the unborn. Did God truly know us in our mother's womb? Well, if he did, then we need to stand up for the unborn. It's important, and we can do that in many different ways. We can uh, come alongside some different uh, ministries or different groups that stand up for the right to life. The Indiana Right to Life is one of them, and they were here a few years ago, and we can come alongside them and support them to allow our voice to be heard. We can also do things like First Choice for Women, where we'll come alongside this organization that's here in Muncie, and I know a lot of us do just that. We give of our time, and we give of our money. So what about ensure justice for those being crushed? I think about those that are living in developing countries, the immigration that we have here in our country. A lot of these folks are living under harsh conditions, under dictatorships. They're having human rights violations, and it's hard for them. But we've got laws in our country. Do we let everybody in? Do we only, do you do it legally? I mean, it's a hot topic in the world today, but we need to ensure justice for those that are being crushed. How we do that, I'll leave that up to you but it takes some effort on your part. Then what about speaking up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice? Well, that just brings to mind, there are a lot of poor, poor people right here in America and they need our help. And we have a welfare system that does just that. But oftentimes we feel like the welfare is too liberal with how they give out the money. And so that's kind of a hot topic and we need to try and balance that. But we need to speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. So is standing up for justice easy? No, it takes effort. So which is harder, standing up for your quarterback and receiver, your favorite duo? I know I was a big fan of the 49ers back in the day when Joe Montana and Jerry Rice were out there throwing those touchdown passes to win a game in the last minutes. And I stood up for them often in front of my TV. I know it's weird, but I did it anyway. I was excited for them. I love those two guys. But what about standing up for godly character? What does that look like? Well, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Who wants to suffer, by the way? Nobody really wants to do that, but it's through our suffering that we endure through that time. That's where we gain this godly character. These trials that we face in this life, we just think that they don't come and go fast enough. But I'm guessing the longer that they endure, the more character, the more how God's going to move in you and show him really what he wants for your life. And this rejoicing in our sufferings, well, again, that rejoicing is knowing that there's going to be an end to that that suffering. There will be a a road that will be easily traveled after we suffer for a while, and then we can rejoice in the fact that we know that the Lord is with us. Proverbs 28.6 speaks to this godly character a little bit as well. It says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Jesus doesn't promise us worldly wealth or an easy road. And oftentimes, if we use the wrong means to gain, to become rich or to become wealthy, that's not what God's looking at. He's looking at the man. He's looking at the integrity. 
If you are rich and wealthy, it's how you get there. You gotta be doing it the right way. So it's not bad to have wealth, but it's better as a poor man, as the verses are saying here, who walks in his integrity. So a standing up for godly character, easy, takes effort. So which is harder? The standing for the reading of Scripture, which we do every weekend, every Sunday. It's pretty easy for us to do. We do that out of obedience and reverence for our Heavenly Father. Or is it harder to stand for Jesus? I want to share a verse with you, what it looks like standing for Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This passage brings to mind a little experience that I had in my life back in 2013. It was December, November, December, I was asked to resign my position. I was basically fired, but we did it in a kind way. I resigned. And uh, that happens a lot in our lives. We lose jobs. They kind of come and go. I don't know if this was any more special or a different circumstance, but I was a pastor. I devoted four and a half years of my life to this church. I loved the people. I loved the Lord. And I just knew he had me where I wanted. And then they asked me to leave. Oh, my goodness. Was that hard for me, for my wife, for my children? But I knew it wasn't the end of all, end of all things. I knew that I could not give up on God. I know what he has done in my life, where he had brought me, where he had brought me from, and what he was doing. So I, I just stayed encouraged, and I knew I was going to continue, continue to serve the Lord with everything that I am. And it was just a couple months later, it was in uh, March of 2014, that my wife and I decided to make Glad Tidings our home. I had met Pastor Kevin a year or two prior in a pastoral covenant group. So I got to, got to know him. I liked him really well, and I thought a lot of him. And, and then when I came here, I mean, I felt, my wife and I felt like this was, this was good. And so we started attending here, and I know it wasn't maybe a month later I mean, I knew I had to serve God, and I couldn't just sit and just show up and sit in the seats on a Sunday morning. I said, I know God had a plan for me, and he needed me. And so I began teaching the fourth and fifth graders here at our church. I see some of you. I hope you liked me for those two years. But I did it for two years straight. It wasn't like I was on for a month and off for a month. I did it for two years straight. I prepared an hour at home before I came to church. I came early. And I just loved doing it. And I knew I couldn't just give up on the Lord and, and he had to use me. And I knew, you know, again, my labor was not in vain in the Lord. So I plugged away and I, did in, I worked in children's ministry. My wife and I started a small group maybe a couple months after we started attending here. And we meet every week and, and we just know we love the Lord and what he's done for us. And I was not going to give up on him. And then it just so happened two years later, I joined the staff here at Glad Tidings. So that's been a real blessing as well. So know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We need, to, we need to keep plugging away and giving him our very best in all that we do. Colossians 3.23 talks about standing for Jesus as well. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. We need to know that, that we are on God's payroll. You know, whether you're standing up here at the pulpit, whether you're leading worship, or whether, you're, whether 
whatever job that you might be working at, you need to know that you're working for the Lord. You need to work at it with all your heart, with all enthusiasm, with joy, knowing that he's got you there for a purpose. Because people are watching. They're looking at you saying, is he a Christian? Does he really love the Lord? Is he any different than I am? We need to know that people are watching, and we need to make sure we set ourselves above the world and its ways. We need to know that God is watching us also. Yeah, if you think about that, God is watching what we do in the world. So a standing for Jesus easy. Well, it takes effort. So it's not always easy to stand for our Christian faith. I have a couple scriptures that I'd like to share with you that kind of deals with our Christian faith. First scripture tells us what we need to meditate on. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's telling us we need to think about these things, but I'm challenging us to take it a step further and stand for these things. Honestly, it's pretty easy to think about them, but I know to stand for them, to live these out in your life each and every day can be a little bit more of a challenge, but we need to do it. We need to apply them to our lives. We need to stand up for the truth. We need to love on people. And these positive character traits that I just listed from Philippians, in which I did pretty much the same list that I shared in the beginning as well. They're all good, godly traits worth standing for, and we need to do that. They contradict evil. What the devil is trying to accomplish on this earth is he's trying to kill and destroy. He's trying to turn people from God, from the truth. So the second scripture from Ephesians tells us to stand up for these things that I just read to you from Philippians. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Evil is real, and it's powerful, and it's against us. These schemes that they're talking about in these passages, these messages that the devil, he's plotting against us. He's looking for our weaknesses. Not only our weaknesses, but he's looking for our times of weakness. He is looking for cracks in our armor. The devil is plotting how to make believers fall. These spiritual forces of evil are at work behind the scenes in our relationships as well. They're behind the scenes in our home, our workplace, our country, our church. He's trying to bring turmoil. He's trying to bring conflict amongst us. We must not feed the conflict with fuels of anger or bitterness 
or unforgiveness. Our struggle against evil is more like a wrestling match. If you want to think about it that way, a slow struggle, long and drawn out, never ending. We keep waiting for the bell to ring to let us know the round is over, but it never seems to come. How do we survive that kind of wrestling match? Oh, it's tiring. We survive that wrestling match by resting in the power of our champion, the risen Christ who has saved us by his blood. Folks, we need to take hold of this promise. This promise we found in 1 John 4, 4 should be our rallying cry. It should be our butler fight song. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Yes, that should be our rallying cry. That should incite excite us and encourage us to shout it out to the world. Because the objective of evil is for you to reject Christ or to be ineffective for him. And as a Christian, you must stand your ground against Satan. The Bible says that Satan is looking to steal and kill and destroy. Satan is looking to seek whom he may devour. Satan is seeking someone to devour, and you must stand your ground and tell him and remind him that you are not the one. Satan's goal is the complete opposite of Jesus, who came to give us life and give us life to the fullest in all abundance. So you must stand your ground against the enemy for your health, for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for your job, and even for your very life. Even if you are a baby Christian, you need to do whatever you have to do to grow up and mature quickly in matters of spiritual warfare because the devil has no problem taking candy from a baby. You need to be thoroughly equipped to stand against the devil's schemes. And strength can be found in the Lord to help us stand against him. And you need to know that you don't have to stand alone. So as we look in Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul here is telling us that we, in light of all that God has done for us, we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord as we fight for him. It's a must. We have to do this. And think of it this way. If you take a weak man who can barely stand and put the best armor on him, give him the best sword, he will still be an ineffective soldier. He will be easily beaten. Of course, that's in a physical context, but we are in a spiritual battle. But we need to know that we fight alongside the victor and we have his strength. As our relationship in the Lord grows, so does our understanding of his might and his power. And by faith, we can rely on him more and more as we do his work, as we stand for Jesus. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God. We need to know that it's his armor. It's not our armor. It's hanging in a closet just waiting there for us to take it up and put it on. And with that knowledge, we can stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Folks, we need to read scripture. We need to bind it into our heart. We need to memorize scripture like Philippians 4.8 that I shared earlier. That was one of the passages that I learned on early on in my Christian walk with the Lord, and it really helped me. I've struggled. I had battles to fight, but having that in my mind helped me stand up for Jesus, all those godly values and characteristics. So we need to memorize Scripture. It's important. Um, These songs that we sing on Sunday mornings, they're not just to kind of get us excited and worship just on Sunday morning. Those are songs that we can take with with us as we leave the sanctuary and we go out into the world. We need to memorize those songs. They're full of a lot of uh, good truth and a lot of uh, good scripture that we need to hang on to. We're going to sing a song here later called Made Me Glad, talking about the Lord. He's my shelter. He's my tower. He's my strength. He's my very present help in time of needs. We need to hang on to those good biblical truths, and we need to know the truth. We need to know his promises that are found in the word. And we need to live a life worthy of Jesus. You need to be righteous in everything that you do. You need to stand for these godly attributes that we've talked about this morning. We also need to share the good news of Jesus for what he has done in your lives. We need to share them with others. You all have a testimony. I have a testimony of what God has done in my life and what he's done in your life. And people need to hear that. As we stand for Jesus against the devil, we need to share the good news, our testimony, and let other peoples know what we have and the hope that we have and live for. And again, we need to live in the hope of eternal life with God that has been promised to all who believe in him. We don't have to live as the world lives because we know that there is something far greater that awaits us. We are only here for a short while. And all these things will equip you for battle and help you resist the devil as you stand for the Lord. To kind of help bring this point home a little bit, I've got a little illustration. I love baseball as well. Pastor Kevin's not the only one. He thinks he was great, but... But anyway, I just, I, I, as I'm doing this message, I remember, you know, in baseball, you've got to stand up to the plate. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and you've got the pitcher's going to throw you a ball, and your goal is to get a hit. And you've got to stand in the batter's box as you're standing at the plate. And, and the pitcher, in my illustration, is the devil. And he's good. He's got some wicked curveballs. He's got a hard slider that strikes people out all the time. He's got a knuckleball that you never know where it's going to end up, and you're just going to whiff every time. Then occasionally he'll throw a change up to kind of get you to stumble and lose your balance because his goal is to get you out of that box. He doesn't want you standing up at that plate. He wants to strike you out and see you walk back to the dugout with your head down. That's his goal. But you need to know as a, as a believer, as a Christian, as we're standing up for Jesus, he's our strength. He's where we can draw upon to give us strength to step back in that box and stand up to the plate and wait for those pitches. Because the world's a tough place to live and those, those pitches are coming at us hard and fast and you need to know that you're going to miss sometimes. 
But you got to keep standing in there knowing the Lord's with you. And you're going to get a hit sometimes. You're going to be able to share the truth with someone from work. You're going to be able to, you'll see a neighbor outside and you'll be able to go and love on them, encourage them. Those are those hits. And just occasionally, you'll get someone to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. You just got a home run right there, baby. So we need to stand at that plate with everything that we are as we stand for Jesus. So what are you willing to give up as you stand for Jesus? You're like, oh, wait a minute. I've got to give something up? Yeah, you do. There was a price paid for each and every one of us, and now we have to repay that price for what Jesus did for us. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. We go back to that baseball illustration. This works out pretty well. But in baseball, there's a thing called a sacrifice. That's what you do to help advance a runner, to help a brother in Christ get from first to second base so that he can get closer to scoring a run. And sometimes, well, you're going to get thrown out in the process, most, most likely. You have to separate, sacrifice something in your life to help someone else move forward, to further the kingdom. That's what this sacrifice for loving on others and helping others and encouraging them, putting them above yourself. Because there is a cost, as I said. Jesus paid a, a huge price for us, but it's not only for you, but for others as well. And we, remember, we need to remember that. It's that love your neighbor thing. I've got a couple quotes that I would like to share with you. This first one I like pretty well. It says, for when you stand for something, you've got to stand for it all the way, not halfway. For those of you that have been going to church for a while, you maybe remember this city in Laodicea. It talks about them. Revelations 3, it says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Folks, we've got to be all in when we stand for Jesus. If we don't, we're going to make him sick. And we don't want to do that. We need to stand firm in everything that we know and believe. Isaiah 7, 9 sums it up really well here. Also, he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. We need to be all in. The second quote was by a man, uh, Peter Marshall. He was a chaplain, and he was a chaplain for the Senate for our country back in the 40s. And then during one of the opening sessions in 1947, in his prayer, he said, give to us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Because unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. We need to know what we stand for. That's part of why I wanted to give you this message today to kind of help give you a vision and an idea of what we're standing for and the reason why we need to stand for it because if we don't, we shall fall for anything. Proverbs 29, 18 kind of tells us what not to do or, um, or what happens when people don't do this. It says when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. 
but whoever obeys the law is joyful. So we can seek the Lord for our, our divine guidance, and we are encouraged and we need to do just that so that we can have a clear vision of what God has in store for our lives. So hopefully I've given you a clear vision as we stand for Jesus, or at least a path to follow, because otherwise, folks, we're going to fall for the devil's schemes. He's out there, he's real, and he's looking to take you out. So all of us want to stand for something. Heroes in the past stood for freedom, for justice, and for love. Some people stood for their dreams. Some stood for themselves. So what are you standing for? As Christians, we were not freed from sin for nothing. God has freed us from captivity to sin and the law so that we could be free to become something larger and more important than ourselves, our dreams, our aspirations, our desires. We were freed to stand for him who died for our sake. So are you looking for something noble and worthy to stand for and live for? I hope that you are. Because we all have a choice to make. Right versus wrong. Good versus evil. God's ways versus worldly ways. It's not going to be easy. It's going to require much effort on your parts. But you have to make that choice. You have to make that stand. Hey, everybody. I've got something that you need to hear. I met this man 20 years ago, and he changed my life. He's rocked my world. He's shown me things in my life. He's done for things that you just cannot imagine, and I'm just so excited about him, and I want you all to hear this. Jesus loves me, this I know. Stand with me. Stand with me. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Father God, we just love you, Lord. We are so blessed to have you in our lives and so thankful for everything that you've done for us. Lord, this life can be a struggle. It can be a challenge, but we know that you're with us. We can draw upon your strength each and every day. So Lord, as we go out into the world, may we live as not of the world, but of you, Father. We have you in our lives. We have you in our hearts. We have your might. We have your power. We have your strength. So just encourage us, Lord, to stand with you all in, to not waver, but to stand with you faithfully, knowing that your promises are true. So we just love you, Father. We give you praise for not only what you've done in our lives, but what you're going to continue to do, and that's exciting. And may we just jump for joy to the world for all to see. So we give you praise. We love you. Pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.